need to make sure that we clear up. This afternoon at 1.30 we have a volunteer orientation. And I, I misspoke last week about it. This is for brand new volunteers or for those that are interested in possibly volunteering or serving in some way. So if you're already plugged into a ministry, into serving somewhere, this, is, this one's not for you. But we would love for you, if you are looking for possibility, uh, the possibility of serving, I would call this a kick the tires class because this is no obligation. This is a test drive. You can come, learn more about the ministry opportunities we have here. We also are going to give just a very simple spiritual gifts inventory to look at what you're good at, what you're shaped for, what God has created you uh, to be like and, and ways that you might serve best. And so we would love for you to be here at 1.30. We're going to meet in the choir room. And that's for anybody and everybody that would, would consider serving in some volunteer position. What a great part of Love Loud is to say, I would be willing to find a ministry here in this church and a mission in the world. I think to be fully satisfied as a member of our church, you need both. We've talked about knowing, growing, and going is kind of the catalyst for everything we do. We want to know Christ and make Him known. We want to grow in Christ, and then we want to go for Christ to our neighbors, the nations, and the next generation. And going for Christ means you would find a ministry, a place to serve here in the body. And then you would find a mission in the world, something that you can connect to. And so I want to make sure we got that out of the way. Everybody good with that? All right, is this for new or existing volunteers? Very good. You guys paid good attention. Very, very good. You passed that pop quiz. The other one, that, just a quick housekeeping matter that I have to take care of. Everybody's asked about me losing weight. And I'll say what I said Wednesday night. There's less of me to love, but I'm not less lovable, okay? You just need to hear that. People have asked, what are you doing? Well, if it tastes good, don't eat it. That's where we are. So we'll leave it at that. Turn with me, if you will, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're looking at the end of this book. And as we look together at the end of this book, Paul is drawing the conclusion, the DNA of a healthy church. He's writing to a church that he loves dearly. He loves them passionately. He spent a short period of time with them. They came to faith. They had an incredible zeal for the Lord. They were longing for Jesus to return. And in those three Sabbaths that he labored with him, he got into some pretty deep theology. He began to talk to them about growing in your faith and about the, the things that are to come, the end times even. And here as he wraps it up, he gives us a glimpse of what a happy, healthy church looks like. This is still part of our series that we're calling the DNA of HSBC. And the whole reason is this. Uh, I believe that our church in many, many ways uh, is reflected in what is modeled here in Thessalonians. There's room to grow but you guys are doing an amazing job. You're living out the gospel, but there's still more for all of us. And the, eight, the, the DNA of our church ought to be so gospel-centered, so focused in Christ, that we make sure that everything that we do reflects that commitment. All right? We're looking at verses 23 and 24 today, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to read it first from the New American Standard Version. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete, without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Let me read this from the New Living Translation, just to give a, a different slant, a little bit different perspective. Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. If you remember before, the word was sanctify. Here, may the God of peace make you holy in every way 
And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would ask, uh, that, that you would give to us, I ask of you that you would give to us understanding and blessing as we read your word, as we study it today, as we ponder it. I pray that you would illuminate to our hearts truth that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul writes, may God himself make you holy and keep you blameless from now until the day he comes again. And then he gives a great promise and said, he will do this because he's faithful. I want you to think with me for a moment about Joe. Joe is every man. You know Joe. He's in your neighborhood. He lives close to you. He's lived a life that is common to yours. He's from South Mississippi. And so he's just struggled with some of the same temptations. He likes some of the same things that you like. And Joe comes to a place where he just determines, I need to start going to church. For whatever reason, he decides he wants to begin attending church. Maybe it was for his kids. Maybe it was just a a sense of conviction or a sense of emptiness in his life. Joe comes to church. Joe begins to sit under the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. He gets in a Sunday school class, and they study the Word together, and he sees a difference in their lives. And Joe learns in, in his heart that really his life is not measuring up as to where it should be or where he would long for it to be. He seems that, it seems to Joe that the harder he tries, the more he works at being good and doing right, he just finds himself failing miserably. Maybe you say, I'm average Joe this morning. Maybe that describes your life. But Joe is lost. Joe has not yet crossed the line of faith. But Joe, in a service just like this one, sitting in a pew just like the one you're sitting in, with an open Bible before him, hears this message, Jesus Christ, Paid the penalty for your sin, Joe. He died so that you wouldn't have to. And you can trust him by faith. And if you'll trust him by faith, he will place his payment of sin upon your sin debt, covered in full, and God will give to you eternal life. In fact, the preacher went on to share with Joe that he would have righteousness put into him. The word biblically is imputed. It's given. It's not earned righteousness, but you would literally be given this righteousness. And Joe said, that is too good to pass up. I can't imagine the scandal of that. And as he's thinking that, the pastor said, what I'm describing to you is grace. And Joe said, that's what I need. I can't do it on my own. I can't earn it. I can't win it. I can't buy it. I need your grace. And Joe walks down the aisle, and he trusts Jesus Christ that very day, and he is gloriously changed forever. Now, when I read the words of 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, these verses describe your life, my life, and Joe's life, if you are like Joe, a Christian. What the Bible is telling us here is there is this process that goes on. There is a lot of theology packed into these two verses. And what I want us to do is to look at them together, and we're going to look at two big themes of theology, big themes of our Christian faith, and hopefully we'll unpack them in a way that will help you understand what's going on in your struggle and in your life. And they are justification and sanctification. Now those words aren't words that you probably will use at lunch today. Those are not words that you've probably used this week. I bet most of you have not said anything 
about justification or sanctification this week. Perhaps you did in a Bible study or otherwise, but let's think about this. When you get saved, you are justified before God. You are made right before God. It's a legal term. It's a beautiful word. It simply means that he declares you innocent. You stand before God blameless. There's no one in the world that can hold a charge against you. And Paul says that happens in our lives, but then it moves forward from there into a process of sanctification, of being set apart. We'll look at that in a moment together. But as we think about how this all fits together, it's really important that you grasp these things. Because a lot of people struggle in their Christian faith because they've not thought through what it means when you got saved and what it means that you're being saved on a daily basis. God is renewing you and setting you apart and as Paul said, making you holy. So as we look at these things together, I hope that we will begin to, to shape in our hearts and our minds something that will change uh, our application of the way that we live our lives daily. Because I think about that idea of being innocent. What, what God is ultimately saying when he says that we would be completely blameless. Let me ask you a question. Who's got dirt on you? I moved back to Hattiesburg after 25 years, and everybody here said, well, I, I know your uncle, I know your aunt, I know your friends from high school, I met this person, and they kind of yucked it up. They, in fact, were I, over and over again at our Joy Club on Wednesdays, people are wanting to bribe my mom to get stories about the pastor and to try to find something. Well, all of those stories are before Jesus, so I let those go. But I don't know about you, there's this idea that somebody's got something on you that just is unnerving. Now, as I think about my life before God, there is a place where when God justified me, he said, there is no one in the universe that can bring charge against you as to why I should let you into heaven. Think about that with me. You will stand before God, and God, as the just and righteous judge, can ask that question. Is there any case against this one that they should not be allowed into my righteous rest, into heaven? And there will be in that moment silence. Now, of course, that's just analogy. It's not the, the way that it plays out. Our names are written in the book of life. But there is none. Our accusers will be silent. The Bible says that now Satan stands day and night accusing the brethren. But Jesus Christ, our intercessor, is faithful to say to God the Father, this one is mine. I bought him with my blood. This one is mine. She is covered in my righteousness. And no one can bring charge against him. No one can bring charge against her. That's being justified. We are legally declared innocent. Amen? Anybody here justified this morning? Amen. I am. I am set free by God. Now set free from the bondage of sin, the weight of sin, the, the yoke of sin has been destroyed in my life. Brother Scott, does that mean you're sinless and perfect? No. That brings us to this next phase. Now, I do want to say this. I've heard preachers say over and over again about this word justified that the end result is this. It's just as if I had never sinned. And that may be a clever little way to remember it. Justified never sins. But the reality is I did sin, and I don't ever want to diminish the work of Jesus. But the end result is even still while I sinned, he covered my sin and he carried it away. He declared me, because of his ability and his authority, completely righteous. Hallelujah. 
Now, as we move forward from being made right with God, we begin to think of this uh, idea of sanctification. Sanctification is a process, and and justification, by the way, is a one-time work. When he saved you, he justified you. But sanctification means that he starts a process of setting you apart. Now, I want to give this to you. The very first thing you need to know about this process and about this text. Let's put it on the screen. Only God can make you better. Only God can make you better. You say, better than what? Better than anything. Only God can improve your situation. Some of you are working really, really hard to be made right with God. You'll stand before God, and there is judgment against you and me because the wages of sin is death. If you've never trusted Jesus and had that payment put upon your account, then you will stand before God without an advocate, without an attorney, without a counselor, if you will. Jesus is my advocate, my counselor, my attorney. He stands before me, and he's pled my case based on his blood. Now, this idea of sanctification, though, often happens in this way. We, we confuse these two greatly. We think, well, we're justified by God. I got saved by God and by His grace, but now I need to work to keep it going. And there's nothing that could be further from the truth. Paul said to the church at Colossae this, he said, just as you received Christ, so walk in Him. We are saved by grace through faith, and we walk in grace by faith. We trust Him. Now, we'll look in a moment and see that we have a cooperating part in our sanctification. We have a part to play, but this is so important. And church, this, this is just a thimble full of theology. I would bore you to death if I nerded out on you and ran to all of the theological terms that I, are in my brain for my studies this week. But the reality is, I have been made right before God, and now God is setting me apart to be holy. And that's the case for every single believer that is here. As we think about this idea of sanctification, let me show you this. Sanctification literally means to be set apart. Let's put it on the screen if we can. It means to be set apart for God's exclusive use. That means that God will develop in us and for us this notion that He is making us holy, and so He sets us apart for His use. Now, any initial moral change that happened at justification, this break from the power of sin, is this point where we're dead to sin but alive to God, but we still have flesh. And because we have flesh, God sets us apart and we are continually being sanctified. In in fact, if we looked at this passage of Scripture, I, I think you would be blown away by the way that it's constructed. In the Greek language, the very first word is himself. It says, as we read, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Here's how it reads in Greek. Himself, moreover, the God of peace will sanctify you. It's saying that God alone can make you better. I want you to hear this. Exercise can improve your body. Therapy can help your soul. A friend can lift your spirit. Good fortune can improve your circumstances. But only God can make you holy. God is the author of all spiritual progress, and it is impossible for me to overstate the importance of this fundamental truth. You can't do one single thing to improve your standing in the eyes of God. You can't do one single thing in the power of your flesh to make yourself holy. It means to be set apart, to be preserved, to be watched over. God is not only the one who makes you right with Him in justification, 
He is the one that starts and establishes this process in us of watching over us and setting us apart. Brother Scott, what does it mean to be set apart for God's special purpose? I had a friend in school uh, when we were growing up whose mom was absolutely CDO. Now, some of you have never heard of that. You say, I've heard of OCD. CDO is OCD to the extreme. It's alphabetical as it should be. Somebody that is truly OCD would never let those letters stand in that order. She was CDO. And one of the things that she was CDO about was the, the towels, the hand towels in the bathroom. She had beautiful, ornate hand towels in the bathroom. Now, uh, me and my brother were not exactly the ornate type, and so when we, we just kind of came in like a hurricane everywhere we went and, and left a fury behind us. But I would go to my friend's house with his CDO mother, and we knew that you were not to touch the hand towels in the bathroom. Now, they are directly adjacent to the sink. I mean, we come in from playing football in the mud, and, and now you need to understand, we've gone through a ceremonial cleansing by the point we've even got to the bathroom. She stopped us at the mud room, and we, we shed off certain amounts of clothes, and she hosed us down outside, and I mean, just all the way through. She wasn't going to let us in her pristine bathroom without being cleaned up at some level. But when she told us then, after we'd gone through all of this cleansing, that we needed to wash our hands for dinner, we would go into the bathroom and you would scrub up your hands and the first reaction is to go where? Right for that washcloth. Uh-uh, not at their house. Those were decorative. They, they were embroidered before embroidery was cool. I mean, this is a long time ago. And they were fancy. And they were set apart. It's kind of like China. You know, you just don't eat off of those things. I, I, they're, they're set apart for special occasions. They're set apart for special service. Those towels were set apart. She had another towel that you could use to wash your hands with, and it was cleaner than uh, most anything that I could even imagine. And I was like, well, this is a perfectly good towel. I'll use this one. Well, no, it's set apart. God sets us apart, not that we're untouchable in any way, but he has a special place of service for us. And there are things in this world that no longer grip our souls. There's attachments in this world that we ought to become less and less enchanted by. I hope that if anything else, you'll see that the DNA of a church like ours and the DNA of a healthy Christian, if you're growing in Christ, you would begin to say the things of this world will rot and rust and fade away. But there are things that are set apart in heaven that are glorious and we're headed toward those. And as a Christian, I need to live my life under the watchful preservation of God and allow this sanctification process, this making me holy process, develop in my life continually so that as I move for heaven, I'll be fit for heaven. I want you to hear me. There is no such thing as a Christian who is not sanctified. Now, there are Christians who stumble in sin, but if I find someone who is not progressively growing in Christ, I'll doubt their salvation. As a fruit inspector, I'll look and say, is there something about your life that has the aroma of Christ about it? And as I think about this, Paul is saying to this church, may God himself, this God of peace, sanctify you, make you holy, set you apart. And he says entirely. He says body, soul, and spirit. He, he's saying every fabric of your being ought to be under the lordship of Jesus. And when I'm affected by temptation, I, I'm surrendered to Lord Jesus. When I find myself struggling with my flesh, 
I run to the Lord Jesus. The process of sanctification is just that. It's a process. Now, let's move forward a little bit more. Only God can make me better. I can't do anything to earn his love, to earn his grace. He justified me, and he sanctifies me. And Paul is praying that there would be a decreasing hold on these people to, to sin and an increasing hold to holiness. Paul is saying to you and me today that there ought to be a decreasing practice of sin and an increasing practice of holiness. There ought to be a decreasing rhythm of sin in our lives and an increasing rhythm of holiness. That's the path of sanctification. When we're being set apart, our sin account gets shorter and shorter and shorter. The time of reaction, when I sin, immediately there's a pang to it and I know it and I confess it and say, Lord, I know that doesn't please you. I want to move away from it. Those people who can go for days and days and days or weeks and weeks and just continue in their sins, I, I begin to wonder if they've lost this idea of the sensitivity to the Spirit of God. The process of sanctification in my life and the process that Paul is praying for here is a process that says the, the, the hold of sin upon your life has been broken. Now walk in it. Become who you already are. It's a marvelous mystery that God has already perfected us in Christ Jesus and he's continually perfecting us day by day. God says in essence, all right, I've bought you, I've paid a price for you, I've redeemed you, now you belong to me, set yourself apart to me. You say, well, how in the world does that happen? How do I set myself apart if only God can make me? Well, I'm glad you asked that. As we think about being watched over, we continually move back toward Him. Let me give you one more word, the word blameless. It means legally acquitted, and it's much like that word of justification. We are simply presumed completely innocent. And as we come to Him, we need to understand this idea that God's desire is that when we stand before Him, we would be this way, and in this life, He's preparing us for that very moment. I ran across something that just rocked my world this week in my studies. Archaeologists in Thessalonica have found tombstones with the inscription, blameless. Blameless. Can you imagine leaving this world, dying, and placed over the remains of your body, the words, blameless. That is only possible in the Lord Jesus Christ. And many of those believers perhaps took Paul to heart and said, I will walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling God's put on my life. Yes, he's watching over me. Yes, he's justified me. And I want him to continue to sanctify me wholly, fully as the word says here, fully as our text says, all the way to a place of the coming of the Lord Jesus because he is faithful. Now, number two, I want you to see this. Above all else, you can trust Him. You can trust Him. I know that sounds simplistic, but why can we trust Him? This Word tells us, faithful is He who calls you. And I want you to look at seven words in this text that you may want to underline. It says, He also will bring it to pass. He also will bring it to pass. I'm reminded of Paul's words in Philippians where he said that, uh, the Lord who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He's not through with me yet. How about you? 
He's still working on me. I love the, the little song kids used to sing, I'm a promise, I'm a possibility. And God's still working on me. But we've got this mindset that somehow we've got to work. And if I work hard enough, sooner or later, God is going to pat me on the back and say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's not like that at all. I surrender myself to his watchful care, and he makes me holy. That means that I am alive to God and dead to sin. It means I don't have to sin anymore. Sanctification doesn't mean that I'm, I'm free from sin completely, that I'll never sin again. What it means is I don't have to. I don't have to let it rule over me. And I hear this language all the time. This is where we get down to brass tacks. I hear somebody say, well, I've been a Christian for 30 years. And you look at their life, and they're just angry. And they spout off at people. And they say, well, that's just the way Bob is. Well, I, I'm afraid that Bob has allowed something to have dominion over him. And justification means that I am no longer slave to sin. When I find somebody that's dealing with an addiction, and they've just it's conquered them, I'm telling you, the, the answer is not some therapeutic process. The answer is Jesus Christ. Now, he may use a process of sanctification, but Jesus will set you free. Amen? And as I think about being set free, there, there's an amazing mystery here. God justifies us. I am presumed innocent. I am imputed. I am given innocence. And now I continue to mortify my flesh. I say, I'm not going to walk in that today. I'm not going to listen to that voice today. I'm going to listen to the voice of Jesus. I am dead to sin and alive to Christ. And it's a progressive thing. Now, here's the, pre the process that involves you. I want you to see this. The process of spiritual growth involves you. Three phases, past, present, and future. Number one, if we'll show it on the screen, I want you to see this. There are three types of sanctification. Go ahead, if you will, to the next one. Sanctification starts with positional sanctification. That means that in Christ Jesus, I am fully and completely holy. That's a mystery to me because I don't feel holy, but it's the truth of God's word. In Christ, I am made holy. Now, positional sanctification means you were set apart. Let's go to the next one. This is progressive sanctification. It means you are being set apart. And there are times that you take yourself out from under that watchful protection and you move in a direction that's sinful. You listen to the voice of the flesh. And when you do that, here's what I would encourage you to do. Run back to Jesus. Run back to Him, confess your sin. Run back to Him and trust Him once again. Now, as we think about this idea, we started out with a, an initial sense of positional. In Christ, I was set apart. I am being set apart. And now I want you to see perfective sanctification. I will be set apart. There's coming a day where I will enter the land that we read about in Revelation 21 where God himself will wipe away every tear. He will judge all evil and I will be taken from the very presence of sin. I will be set apart in a place that is holy. Hallelujah, I long for that day. No more weighted down by the temptations and the burdens and the stumbling blocks of this world. It is progressive during this lifetime, but one day it will be perfected. And our sanctification will be made whole and right. Hear me, faithful is he who calls you and he will bring it to pass. The promise is it's coming. Now, I, I don't want to just bomb the rubble, but I want to walk through this one more way. We're justified in a legal standing, but sanctification is an internal condition. So one's positional and one is progressive. Justification is once for all time, and sanctification continues through this life. 
Justification is entirely God's work, and sanctification, we cooperate. God makes us holy, but we cooperate by saying, I'm going to pursue holiness. And that's the last thing I want you to see today. Pursue holiness. Is that the direction of your life? Once you've written that down, I want to look into every eyeball if I can. I want to see everybody looking this way. This morning, are you pursuing holiness? See, sometimes we get this a little off kilter because you're pursuing sanctification. You're saying, I'm going to try to make myself right. No. Pursue holiness and God will make you holy. By pursuing holiness, what I mean is you're pursuing Jesus. You would say, Lord, I want this moment, right now, sitting in this pew, to surrender myself fresh and new to your preservation, your watchful care. And your word tells me that you will make me holy. Completely holy. To set you apart for this process of mortifying the flesh and fitting you for heaven. Let me give you one final quote and we're going to move away from this notion. Hear this. This is from John Owen, a man who has written much about mortifying the flesh, killing the flesh, saying, I don't want the flesh. He wrote these words, there is no idea more foolish or pernicious than this, that a person who is not sanctified nor made holy in this life should afterwards be taken to the blessedness that consists in the enjoyment of God in heaven. Such a person cannot enjoy God, nor would God be a reward to them. Holiness is perfected in heaven, but it's always begun in this life. I I just want to tell you, if you're not pursuing holiness today, you're not going to enjoy heaven one bit. God won't be a reward for you. If you're trying to live with one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord, you're simply straddling a fence going two different directions, and that won't last long. One foot goes east, one foot goes west, and the rest of you is going to go south. You can't walk in this world continually and not be set apart, not be sanctified, not be made holy and expect to enjoy heaven. And so I would ask you just as a simple litmus test for yourself, what am I pursuing in my life? Am I pursuing God? Are you just ticking off days and weeks and months? Are you just looking forward to the next holiday, the next vacation, the next whatever else? And you're just going through a a routine, going through the motions? If you are, get off that treadmill today because the Lord will set you apart in this process and it starts by simply trusting in Jesus. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, I thank you for these great theological truths of justification that we are presumed innocent in Christ, declared righteous. God, I thank you for this great truth of sanctification that you are making us holy, that you set us apart, that you continue to hold us as Christians set apart, and one day you will set us apart to yourself. God, I pray for each and every person that's here today. Lord, I pray that you would just bless them with the gift of inspection, that your spirit would draw even now in a heart-rending inspection truth to the forefront of every mind. If there's one here who is living out their life in a religious pursuit of 
fleshly sanctification. Help them to see that only you can make us holy. And that they would surrender today, not in frustration or in any sense of embarrassment, but they would surrender to you with great joy, knowing that they can get off that treadmill and that they can trust you to set them free. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to stand together, we're going to sing a hymn of decision. If the